Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Be confident, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The good work that the Lord has started in each one of our lives, he will be a faithful high priest and he will bring those things to completion and, and maturity until the day that the Lord returns. This is a promise that the Lord has given us from his word. In those times when you're weary and when you're tired and you are wondering how things are going to work out, just remember, I'm going to be confident of this one thing, that God is the one who started this work and he's the one who will complete it. He's the author of salvation. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we look to him, then we have hope, we have encouragement, and we have endurance. And so I want to encourage you to keep looking to Jesus and being confident that he started the good work in you and he will complete it. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, the Apostle Paul talks about an effectual door that God opened, a great door that God opened for his ministry. And you know the story of how God used him to plant that amazing church in Ephesus. And during those three years that he lived and worked there, there was a mighty move of God. There was a powerful revival that spread uh, throughout that city and established one of the greatest churches of the first century. And it was a manifestation of the Spirit of God that worked through Paul's life and in the people of God there that caused that great ministry to grow and to prosper. When I think about the beginnings of the church in the book of Acts, it was birthed in the fires of the Holy Spirit. The last manifestation of the church is not going to be any less glorious than the beginning of the church. <laughs> so there's a refreshing that the Lord is bringing to the body of Christ and the same Holy Spirit that birthed the church is going to bring an anointing and a powerful explosion of God's power in the end times. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to whimper out of the world, but we're going to leave this world victorious, and there's going to be the glory of God resting upon his people. And so whatever challenge you might be in today or whatever triumph or joy that you might be in today, I want you to know that the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. You know, in Ezekiel 37, when God began to talk about raising up this mighty army, and he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the wind and those bones, the valley of the dry bones, those bones came together and, and there was sinew and, and there was flesh that came upon those bones and there was a great mighty army that came up and as they stood up alive, they didn't have any breath in them. And he said, now prophesy to the wind. In other words, prophesy to the Holy Spirit. Because the word wind and breath um, is the same in, in Hebrew as ruach. 
Uh, and it's, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit. It's also the same word for the Spirit, for the Holy Spirit. And so literally what God told uh, the prophet to do was to prophesy to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prophesy to the Holy Spirit to come into these dry bones. Amen. I was thinking about that the other day and said, how do you prophesy to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Prophecy is speaking words. So you speak the word of God to the Holy Spirit and he takes that word and he breathes it back into the situation that you're facing whether it's your own physical body, whether it's your family, your ministry, that you prophesy to the Holy Spirit. It's not that you're commanding the Holy Spirit what to do. It's what you're doing is you are agreeing with the promises of God. You are agreeing with the Word of God that He has breathed, and we're breathing it back to Him, and then the Holy Spirit takes it, and He manifests God's will and purpose in the earth. So literally what the prophet was told to do was to prophesy to the Holy Spirit, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the Holy Spirit. Build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Talk to him. Get to know him. I love what Kelly shared the other day about the three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we talk about the Holy Spirit and we say we need to be filled with him, but we don't really talk and commune with him very much. But when the prophet was commanded to, to prophesy to the Holy Spirit, it just kind of touched my heart to remind me that I need to speak more to the Holy Spirit uh, about the purposes of God that he's already working. It's not that I'm trying to convince him to do anything that he doesn't want to do. Amen. But what I'm doing is I'm activating the gift of God that is in me. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God. And when you stir up the gift of God, you stir it up through speaking words of faith. The just shall live by their faith. So stir up the gift of God and speak those words of faith to the Holy Spirit and watch him begin to release a greater dimension of his glory in your church and in your ministry as he brings together the great army that he is bringing forth in these end times. A lot of people talk about the millennial generation. It's the largest generation that's on the earth right now. Uh, these are folks in their teens up to about 36 or so. It's called the millennial generation. And um, a lot of people say, you know, the millennial generation, they want everything now. They don't want to wait on anything. Well, I think about the young folks that, that I see that get a hold of the cross and get a hold of being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're some of the most fearless, dynamic people on the planet. And when I think about the future of the church, I get excited, you know, as I'm getting a little older, and, but I'm still here. You know, when I think about a generation... Everybody that's on the earth at the same time is from the same generation, okay? So you can call me a millennial or boomers or Gen Xers or whatever you want. Look, we all up in here together, okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we all up in here together, and everybody's got a role, and everybody got something to do. Amen. <laughs> but when I think about the young people that I see coming along that are uh, just walking in the purposes of God, I get really excited 
about what I see. I see some fearless people who love passionately, uh, and they want to do great things for God. They're not afraid. They have a big vision. Amen. Uh, and I tell you, don't, don't, don't put the fire on that. Encourage those among us who are from that generation who are walking with God, and let's mentor that generation, pour into them, and encourage them. Move on out into the deep, and you do everything God put in your heart, and I'm going to be behind you to pray for you and support you, and, and I want to see you accomplish all of those visions God has put in your heart. Because I believe that God is going to use this generation to really establish a, a greater manifestation of his kingdom on the earth than we've ever seen. Because there were some limitations from some of the previous generations where we were afraid to go into the marketplace and we kind of like tipped into the marketplace a little bit with ministry and uh, we had the message more that the secular and the sacred was supposed to be so separate from one another. Um, and so we did most of our uh, ministry behind the four walls of the church uh, building. <laughs> Uh, and just only in recent times as some of the folks from my generation been stepping more into the community and exercising the faith of God uh, and the realm of God in all the spheres of society. But what I see with the younger generation that we call millennials is they're not afraid to stand up wherever they are and be who they are wherever they're at. And so when I see that, it just makes me smile. It makes me rejoice because I'm like, this is it. <laughs> Because we put a, a limiting focus on what we were supposed to accomplish in the kingdom. And I think we've wasted a lot of time in the church. Uh, and we have not stepped into the full realm of the authority that God wanted us to exercise in the earth. Because we believe that you were not supposed to go into those areas and stand up for Jesus. The enemy is standing up and proclaiming everything with bare teeth that he believes in this hour unashamedly. And it's time for the church to stand up and be counted like never before. What an opportunity in the midst of darkness that we have to shine with the glory of God. Everybody can have a blog. <laughs> Everybody can have their say, and they're jumping out there and they're saying it. And this is our opportunity to say, 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 amen. Ah, say, say, say. <laughs> amen. But we need to say the word of God. We need to say the kingdom of God. We need to say the truth because the truth is what will make us free. We shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. And so I encourage you to, to really... Uh, take the limitation off of your mind, any kind of construct on your understanding that will limit you from standing up in this hour and being counted and saying, Lord, I want to be counted like never before. You know, I was sharing earlier about closed doors and open doors. I think some of the greatest experiences that we can have with God is when we have closed doors. See, Paul talked about this great mega door that was standing open that God had for him. And thank God for the mega doors, for the open doors, effectual doors of ministry that are open. But I was thinking recently about how God uses closed doors to get his purposes done in the earth. 
You remember the story of the Apostle Paul? He endeavored to go to one area in Acts chapter 16, and, and the door was closed. Gave him an opportunity to, to really receive clarity, to seek God and receive clarity and direction about where the Lord wanted him to go. Maybe you're facing some closed doors in some area that you're responsible for. Don't be afraid of closed doors. Because be confident of this very thing. <laughs> he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if doors are closed or open. <laughs> he can still complete what he started. And so it doesn't mean that we don't pray for open doors. You know, Jesus teaching us to pray said, seek, you'll find, knock, the door will be open, ask, you'll receive. But if the door doesn't open that we're asking, it doesn't mean he didn't hear us. So I think that Jesus just wants us to be in communion with him. <laughs> so he says, ask, seek, and knock. We get upset because we say, but God, I, I asked for that door to open, and it didn't open. But you don't understand the benefit that you've received just from knocking, <laughs> just from seeking, and just from asking because you've pressed yourself into a relationship deeper with the Holy Spirit. And so closed doors are not necessarily a bad thing. I remember years ago, my wife and I, we really believed that God had called us to be missionaries to Kenya. We went through all of the missionary training with our church that we were involved in at the time, and, and we were getting ready to leave the country. We were much, much younger <laughs> than I am now. And my wife um, was pregnant, and so we decided, well, we'll wait until after the baby comes, uh, and then we'll go because we're not sure what kind of medical facilities they will have in Kenya. And it turned out it was a very difficult pregnancy, and there was a lot of things that were involved. And so, um, and, and our, our daughter needed some special care for a season. And so, we were not able to accept the appointment. And so, it seemed like a door was closed. And I remember my wife and I sitting there saying, now, what was that all about? You know, well, I mean, we were full of passion and vision uh, for what we were going to do when we went there and and we have been in contact with the folks that we were going to be working with in a great church there. And, and all these plans, it seemed like they all got derailed, and it seemed like the door was closed. And so we thought about that for a season, and then we just went ahead and found whatever our hands to do, and we did it with all our might where we were. And God blessed and used us where we were, and we were happy serving in the church and in the kingdom, but it wasn't what we intended. Hope deferred can make the heart sick. <laughs> and so we hoped for one thing, and it didn't turn out to be that way, so we had to wrestle with this emotional part. Um, but God gave us peace. Now, years later, we were talking the other day, and we looked back and said, if, what if we had gone to Kenya you know, 30-something years ago, we don't know what all our lives would have been. But since that time, we've been able to travel to more than 60 countries, preach the gospel, and plant churches in multiple languages across the earth. Did God know that back then when that door closed? 
Yes, he did. We didn't know that. All we knew was we didn't get a chance to go to our missionary appointment that we thought was the will of God and was exactly in line with his purpose for our lives. So when God closes a door, it's not necessarily a bad thing. What he wants us to do is seek, to ask, and to knock, but also to trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and let him direct your path. If we become the director of our path, then we've moved into a place that we've usurped the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ in some area of our lives. But many times we try to direct things and, and we try to orchestrate things and sometimes God wants to go a different route and we want to go a different route and we find ourselves at loggerheads sometimes with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying to you is kind of step back for a moment and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to boldly proclaim your vision. I will boldly declare what you have put in my heart that I believe for this season. But Lord, at the end of the day, I will trust you because many of the plans of a man's heart, but God is the one who establishes his will and his purpose in the earth. And so when we get to the place that we're able to, to really trust him, then I think we can really begin to enjoy the work of the ministry more, and we'll be a lot happier, and we'll be a lot freer, and we'll be a lot more um, uh, what, what we call successful, which I, mean, which I believe is being faithful to his stewardship. I remember when I first started doing uh, ministry on Skid Row, I've been with Teen Challenge now for 18 years, but before that I served for uh, a number of years down on Skid Row leading a program there for people getting off drugs and alcohol, similar to Teen Challenge. As a matter of fact, they copied the Teen Challenge model <laughs> and they were using it at the mission. <laughs> and uh, they very freely said, we learned how to do this from Teen Challenge. So did Salvation Army and everyone else. Um, and I remember there was a student that I had been ministering to, and he was doing so well in the program, memorizing scripture. He was on fire for God, and, and I was just pouring time into him, and, and he was, I just knew he was going to be this great preacher. <laughs> Amen. And I came in, he's been in the program for maybe six or seven months, and I came in one day, and I was... It was my custom to do the chapel service at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so all the students were in the chapel, and they were getting ready for chapel service. And one of the students ran up to my office, and they say, hey, uh, Pastor Brown, you know, you know that student that you've been working with? He's gone. I said, what do you mean gone? He's gone. He left. And I sat there. My heart was broken. And I said, oh, no. I became discouraged. And I remember sitting in the back, standing in the back of the chapel, and they were all waiting for me to come down to share the word or get them started for their morning devotion. And I stood there, and they were all facing forward, so all I could see was the back of their heads, and they all kind of had their Bibles looking ahead, waiting for me to come. And I said, Lord, I'm not going in there today. <laughs> I said, I'm discouraged. Anybody ever had a time of discouragement? <laughs> 
I said, I'm discouraged. I'm not going. I said, I can't believe he left. That was one of my best students. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I'm just not feeling it today. But they were waiting, so I went on in, and I sat down at the piano. I said, maybe if I play a song and sing something, I'll kind of get the spirit, and then I'll be able to carry on. And I remember sitting down at the piano, and I began to play. And it was like the presence of the Lord just filled the room. And in my mind, I had this imagination of Jesus walking down the center of the aisle, coming over to the piano where I was. And I said, surely he's coming to encourage me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. He's here today. And in my imagination, I had this picture of the Lord putting his elbow on the piano, just looking at me as I'm singing away. <laughs> and I heard in my spirit, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> now, when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. <laughs> Because he knows all things. Amen. <laughs> said, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I said, I didn't even answer. I wasn't going to say, well, I'm trying to worship you. You know, I, I wasn't going there. <laughs> I know it was time to just listen. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, get your hands off my sheep. They're not yours. They're mine. I was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I was like, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, teach them. Love them. Lead them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Bless them. Build them up. That's why I sent you here. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, they're not yours. They're mine. There was a freedom that came to me that day that is still with me all these years later. I will still love passionately. I'll still get dis disappointed if someone leaves their post or their assignment. But I know that I know that I know that I know that they don't belong to me. They belong to him. And so I can joyfully serve and I can give my life away and surrender to the king and give everything that I have expecting nothing in return. Isn't that what love is all about? The agape love of God. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It never fails. Uh, it's not expecting anything in return. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It's not seeking its own way. That's the agape love of God. If we just walk in the love of God, then we will be able to fulfill God's purpose and mandate in the earth as his stewards, as his servants, as his ministers, as his leaders. And that really set me free. I recognized that in my heart, I had tipped over to the place that this was my parishioner. <laughs> no, 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 it's God's. Amen. He's the great shepherd. We're just his servants, his ministers, doulos, his bond servants, his slaves. But the people that we lead, the people that we influence, the people that we are around, they belong to God. They do not belong to us. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, he sent the crowd out and closed the door. 
Sometimes when we leave the door open, <laughs> there can be a distraction. Closed doors are not a bad thing. <laughs> Elisha and Elijah, when they raised, when, he, when Elisha raised the Shunammite woman's son, and when Elijah raised the, the son of the widow, they closed the door. They went in alone. When Peter raised Dorcas from the dead in Acts chapter 9, closed the door. When the woman who had the crucible of oil, after she gathered many, many vessels in obedience to what the prophet told her to do, it says she closed the door and then she began to pour. If she left the door open and started pouring, folks might have laughed at her with that little crucible oil with all those big old pots and pans she had there. But when she closed the door, she was able to focus on what was at hand. So closed doors are not necessarily a bad thing. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that when you pray, go into your room and close the door and do business with me. Some of our greatest victories come as a result of closed or shut doors. We don't have to shout at the door. We don't have to kick at the door to make it come open and come down. <laughs> All we have to do is seek the face of the Lord. If we seek anything other than the face of the Lord, I think that we'll get over into that place in our heart that we'll start believing it has something to do with us <laughs> and it's not all about him. And I think if we stay in that place of humility and saying, God, everything depends on you, and we stay in that place of dependence and trust and faith, we will see greater victories. If we try to do things in our own strength, we won't last. We will burn out. We will get so tired and so weary. We will become cynical, and we will lose our fire, our passion, and our joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so my prayer is that we will stay full of joy, whether the door is open, whether the door is closed, whether the door is half cracked open, it don't matter. <laughs> he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, he can't do it if this door don't open. He can't do it if this. No, no, no. How big is your God? <laughs> Jesus is the open door. Amen. So when you got Jesus, you already got everything open to you that you need. Why are you looking at the little door when the big door is always open? Amen. Hallelujah. And so when we look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, there's nothing but open door because Jesus said, everything is in me. All that you need is in me. Come to me, I'll refresh you. Come to me, I will fill you. Come to me, I will supply your need. Come to me, I will give you courage. Come to me, I will give you strength. Come to me, I will give you peace. Come to me, I will give you joy. Come to me, I'll give you hope. Come to me, and I'll give you faith to the full. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So don't look in the natural at some small door that doesn't open. You look to Jesus and be confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If that door that you've been praying for doesn't, ever, doesn't open at all, ever, 
you know that Jesus is open to you and his eyes are upon you. His face is turned toward you. His hand is extended towards you. His breath, his prophetic word is, is undergirding you and upholding you and you are connected to the everlasting arms that are underneath you. Hallelujah. And you cannot fail in your mission. Amen. Because as soldiers in the army of the Lord, we're on mission for God. Amen. And so you can take that mountain. You can take that hill. You can take whatever God says is yours because that portion that he has given to you, it cannot be taken away. But if we cry over closed doors, if we cry over things that aren't, don't, don't work the way that we think they should in our own narrow construct, we're going to miss out on the joy of just rejoicing and seeing our God reign over every situation. So it doesn't matter if that door ever opens. You keep looking to Jesus, and you keep on rejoicing. You stay full of the Holy Spirit. You stay full of peace, and watch what God will do. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to his power that is at work in you. Those are not just words. That is a promise from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his power that is at work in us. What happens to us when we start paying attention to what doors are shut, what doors are open, what stream of connectivity we can have here and not have here, then what we're doing is we're not depending on the power that is at work in us. We're depending on what we can work on our own. And if we're depending only on what we can work, we'll always come up short. But if we depend on Jesus, there's an unlimited supply of his grace. Hallelujah. For grace upon grace we have received from him. Isn't that good? Jesus never runs out of grace. We'd be in trouble if he ran out of grace. Okay, but according to John chapter 1, he doesn't run out of grace. Amen. So as long as Jesus got grace, we're going to be all right. Amen. His grace is his favor. His grace is his power. His grace is his ability. His grace is his anointing. His grace is his gifting. His grace is the open door. Hallelujah. So let's not focus on the small mini doors that are open. Hallelujah. But let's look at the big door of grace that has been opened to you because all of us have received freely from his grace. Hallelujah. And he can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So my brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Be strengthened with power in your inner man. And know that the God who called you is faithful and he will not fail you. What he has spoken, he is well able to bring to pass. It's already done. Remember at the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee, when they ran out of wine and the mother of Jesus said, do whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> whatever he says, do it. So that the glory of God can be revealed. So whatever Jesus says... Do it. You go, but I'm waiting for this to line up over here. I'm waiting for this door to open. I'm waiting. No, no, whatever he says, do it. Well, I'm trying. No, he didn't say try. He says do it. 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He didn't tell us to try to do anything. Hello? (laughs) Whatever he says, do it. He says, put some water in the pot. I'm putting water in the pot. We're going to fill up these pots with water. Amen. Well, why are you doing that? I don't know. I'm just doing what he said. (laughs) Well, you know, if nothing happens, it's going to look pretty crazy. That's all right. I'll be a fool for Jesus. Amen. Because he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Amen. And so if he says put water in the pot, I'm putting water in the pot. If he tells me to take a crucible of oil and fill up a whole lot of vessels, I'm closing this door and I'm going to get the pouring. (laughs) It's like, to my mind, this don't make any sense to take a little bit of jar of oil and fill up all these pots and pans. But I got a word from God. He says he's going to fill every one of them up. So I'm closing the door. Amen. Just in case anybody peeping up in here looking at me and start laughing and pointing the finger, I'm closing the door and I'm going to start pouring. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And as long as there was a vessel, the oil didn't run out. Whatever he says, do it. You go, well, I don't know. The, the, The city is giving me a problem. They won't approve my plans. Whatever he said, do it. You persevere, and you don't quit, and you don't downsize your dream. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. The vision is yet for an appointed time. It will not lie. It will come to pass. My wife and I did not get stationed as missionaries in Kenya, but over the last 18 years, I've been to Kenya 30 times. Imagine that. (laughs) Glory to God. Whatever he says, do it. (laughs) And instead of working in one location, we've seen hundreds of churches planted all all over that nation. Praise God. God watches over his word to perform it. He will bring his word to pass. It's not by your might. It's not by your power, but it's by his might and his power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. He will bring it to pass. So I encourage you, trust in the Lord. Wait upon him. Allow him to breathe life on your vision. Allow him to bring the timing for the vision. And allow him to bring forth what he has purposed and prophesy to the Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, thank you that what was spoken will come to pass. I thank you that you're brooding over this just as you did over the face of the waters in creation. So, Holy Spirit, I prophesy to you today, and I thank you that what has been spoken, it will come to pass. These dry bones will live. They will stand up. They will become a great and mighty army. So, let the wind of your glory go into this work. Let the wind of your glory go into this church. Let the wind of your glory go into these people. Let the wind of your glory go into this community. Let the wind of your glory go into this nation. Let the wind of your glory go into this vision. I believe God. Hallelujah. And I will stand on his word. And God will stand with you. He will stand for you. (laughs) He will stand through you. (laughs) He will stand all around you. He'll be your rear guard and he will lead you 
into the fullness of what he has. Lord, resurrect the dream. Resurrect the vision. He still calls those things that be not as, they, as though they were. And he still calls life into dead things. Lazarus, come forth. Now, they had to take a few things off of Lazarus. <laughs> and when he calls your dream forth, you may have to take some things off that's been wrapped around it. You might have to cut some grave clothes off. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because it's, it may not look exactly like you thought it was going to look. But, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to perceive. Increase my understanding. Lord, let me not be as those who cannot understand spiritual things. The Apostle Paul said, I love to talk to you, Corinth, about spiritual things, but you're so carnally minded, I can't even talk to you about the things of the kingdom because you've already predetermined by the mind of the flesh what things should be. And so when I come talking to you about the kingdom, you look at me as though you don't understand what I'm saying. To be carnally minded is to be enmity with God. God, deliver us so that we're thinking kingdom-minded, so that our minds are filled with the words of God, that's filled with the glory of God, filled with the wisdom of God, filled with the understanding of God, so that we will walk in the fullness of what he has for us in every season of our lives. God is able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to cause all grace to abound towards us so that we will have all sufficiency for all things. It all comes from his grace. There's a lot of alls in that scripture. <laughs> I think it's what, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He calls all grace to abound towards us so that we will have all sufficiency for all things. Does that sound like whatever he says, do it? Yes, because you're doing it in his grace, in his power, and his strength. My hope for you is that as you leave this place, that those the dreams that you've put on the back burner, that there's been a refreshing word that has come to your spirit that has ignited a passion and a courage and a strength in you that you will not shrink back but you will stand up and you will step forth into the fullness of what God says was yours. There's a lot of folks that's disappointed you. There's circumstances that came in and literally ripped the, the heart out of you and stopped you in your tracks. And you said, how can I go on from here? Because I started out with such destiny and such purpose, and then there was those hindrances that came, and I had to stand in my own reality and say, I have to let that go because it will never come to pass. The Lord says, I still call life into dead things. Hallelujah. And he's going to refresh you in your anointing and in your heart and in your mind and he's going to raise those things up again. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel based on a, a blueprint of what you saw 10 years ago or a blueprint of what you saw 5 years ago or a blueprint of what you heard 20 years ago but allow him to give you a fresh revelation and a fresh vision so that you will walk in a fresh anointing and you will see the fulfillment of what God has ordained for your life. Amen. Give him a shout of victory in this place. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. 
And it may not look like what you thought, but it's going to be better than it would have been. <laughs> Amen. God is always doing something better. <laughs> we say, well, why come he didn't do it like that? Because he had something better in mind. <laughs> so trust in his wisdom. Trust in his glory. I love you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I thank the Lord. Crystal, God loves you. He's restoring some dreams in your life. The enemy tried to stand and block you on every side. You walked through a door that was cracked open about this wide, and that's why you're sitting here today. But I want you to know God says he's taking that thing off the hinges. And the dream that you have, sing the song of Zion. I've put my word in your mouth. I've put my song in your spirit. Open your mouth and declare, you're going to write and you're going to record those albums and they're going to be filled with the glory of God. Those who are bound and oppressed are going to be set free because of the servant of God who has stood up and she has declared and she's prophesied to the Holy Spirit and she has received the word of God and she breathed back the breath, the ruach of God through those songs and he's going to cause many to come out alive because of your obedience in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Glory be to God. He is able. He's able. He's able. Glory to God. Pastor Woody, the Lord has taken the limitation off you, brother. You have done great things for the kingdom. You have been a faithful steward. You've been a faithful servant. You've been a good understudy. You've allowed many to speak into your life, and you have received the word of God, and you have grown into the place that you are. But I want you to know the Lord says there's still a dream. There's still a vision. And he says if you will not downsize that vision, I will cause resources to be poured into your bosom, and I will cause open doors to come to you that no man can shut, and you will see the glory of God. You will walk into those communities and there will be many that will call you brother, will call you friend, that in the times past would have called you enemy, but they will declare the glory of God is upon you and with you. And just as I was with my servant Joseph, I will be with you and I will cause you to stand and I will cause you to declare the word of God and you will bring forth my will and you will see great manifestations of my glory and my power as I resurrect life in dying people and dying communities in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for what you have purposed in my brother's life. Use him for the glory of your kingdom, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we believe you because your ways are good. Hallelujah. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. And so, Lord, we surrender our ways to your ways. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.